0: Listening to the Embassy Church podcast, and here is today's message. Thank you so much, Lord. Father, thank you for bringing prodigals home. Thank you for always drawing us home. Always drawing us home. Father, you're so good. You're so good. You are so good, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being a father. Thank you for drawing us home. I can't say it enough. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us back home. So grateful. So grateful. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, for anybody, either in the room or online, have strayed and wandered a bit, welcome home. Welcome home. It's good to have you back. Father God. Father. Father, I thank you this morning that you speak through us. Holy Spirit, I offer myself to you. Lord, my tongue, anything I say, Lord, may it only be your words. Nothing that isn't you. Father, I thank you for this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you, thanks. We have the best Praise and Worship team, don't we? They are so awesome. They are so awesome. And God is so good. He is so very good. Number of months ago, at least I think it was months ago, Pastor Megan was speaking, and I have no idea what she was speaking about that day, but one line she said um, stuck with me. She said that it was because of unity that the Holy Spirit came the very first time. The very first time, the Holy Spirit in the upper room, in the rushing wind, was unity. It was their unity that brought them together. It was their unity that brought that out of God. And I've been thinking about unity for months now. God keeps talking to me about unity. And so I'm going to talk to you about unity. (laughs) We're just going to right through. The definition on I think it was dictionary.com I went. It has like eight different definitions for unity, and all of them completely different. All of them. But the definition, and what I want to center on, of course, is the whole or the totality has combined all of its parts into one. All of its parts combined into one. It's everybody together, unified on the same page with the same purpose. And I think you can go back into history. And you can find when a group of people combined all their talents for one goal and for one purpose, they succeeded. Amazing, amazing things happen when people get together in unity. There is a power. There is a power in unity that is second to none, especially when it's God's unity, when it's unity built by the Holy Spirit. I can't express to you. I don't have words to tell you how absolutely powerful that is and what God can do through a group of people who are unified with the same goal and the same purpose. And so you know what, I'd like to start in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, on the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly, they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them, and they were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. The Bible tells us this happened in the morning, and yet people all over town heard it. Can you imagine how loud that wind must have been for people all over Jerusalem to hear it and to get up and go find out what was making the noise? And just as a side issue, the pillar of fire in the Old Testament was the presence of God. And so for Jewish people, for Israelites, to see a pillar of fire and to see it separated separate and going on to each individual person was the presence of God filling each individual person, which was something that they had never heard of or even imagined before, because the presence of God was only in the temple and only in the Holy of Holies in the temple. So this was an absolutely amazing thing that we take for granted, but believe me, when it happened, it was incredible. It says, all the disciples were gathered in one place. And I always read that, and I thought, well, they're all in the same room. They're all in the same place. But if you go back up to Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says, His brothers were there as well, Jesus' brothers. All of them were united in prayer, gripped with one passion, interceding night and day. And there were 120 of them. There were only 120 of them but they were gathered in one place. And I think that's more than just a physical place. They were in one place of prayer. They were in one place of worship. They were in one place of God. And they were all in the same place, all thinking the same thing, all praying for the same thing. And then look what happened. The presence of God split out of the fire of pillar fire and it landed on each individual person. That is such an amazing thing when you're gathered in one place with one goal and everybody has the same goal in mind it's amazing what god can do through us it's amazing jesus said in john chapter 18 receive this truth whatever you forbid on earth will be considered to be forbidden in heaven and whatever you release on earth will be considered to be released in heaven Again, I give you an eternal truth. If two of you agree to ask God for something in a symphony of prayer, my Heavenly Father will do it for you. For wherever two or three come together to honor my name, I am right there with them. Even if two or three of us are gathered together in unity, God is right there with us. And in anything we ask for, in honor of Him, God will do it. And that's just two or three people. When you when two or three people gather in unity and they pray and they ask for something in honoring God, honoring the name of Jesus. Jesus is there, God does it. And it's unity that brings that, that brings God. You know, there are different things that attract any kind of a spirit, evil or good. You can do something to attract them. Unity attracts the Holy Spirit two people are in unity, God is there. He is there. And it works both, <laughs> unity works both ways. Remember the Tower of Babel? Genesis chapter 1, uh, chapter 11. The Lord came down to look at the city in the tower and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. They're all saying the same thing. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. and Then they won't be able to understand each other. And in that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world. For those of you who don't know the story, after the flood, a group of people got together and decided they would build a tower that went right to heaven. And then if God ever decided to flood the earth, they could escape God's flood in the tower. That's what they were doing. And the Bible said, God said... nothing they set out to do would be impossible for them and God stopped it by confusing their unity he changed languages nobody could understand each other they could not say the same thing anymore because nobody could understand what the other was saying God stopped it by pulling out their unity because he said they're united and nothing will stop them if they can do this it's a spiritual principle And our unity is built by the Holy Spirit, and and we'll get to that a little bit later. I'll show you where I get that from. But our unity is extremely powerful. And because our unity, God can do so much when we're unified, he hates it when we're not. The Bible says he hates it. Proverbs chapter six, verse 16 to 19. There are six things the Lord hates. Nope. Seven things he detests. Listen to these seven things. The first line there, six things he hates, seven things he detests, can be, it's like there are six things that God hates, but the seventh one is absolutely detestable. It's horrible. And it's interesting that every one of these seven things are an enemy to unity haughty eyes, a lying tongue. Hands that kill the innocent. Hearts that plot evil. Feet that race to do wrong. A false witness that pours out lies. The seventh thing, the one that's completely detestable, the person who sows discord in a family. It's despicable. God hates it when people sow discord because it's an enemy of unity. He absolutely detests it. And I don't know, you know what? To sow discord in a family would be to walk to a family, someone else in the family and say, I really don't like what that guy said. He's completely out to lunch. He is so wrong. He can't see straight. He has no business even being up there. He needs to go somewhere else and talk. And you're planting seeds of doubt and discord in someone else. And I'm not saying that you can't discuss But if you're discussing a point of view that is opposite or different than what the pastor has preached, you need to be very careful who you speak it with. By all means, you can discuss it. By all means, you should, because you need to get in your heart from the Word of God what's right and what's not. But please, people, be very careful who you discuss it with. If you're discussing it with a new Christian, it should never be. Because you're probably gonna drive them away sowing discord always has a purpose of exalting yourself. It's always built under you would rather be, you want the glory, you want the glory, and so you sow discord to make other people look bad and you look better. That's basically what it is. And God hates that. God hates that. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Every city or household divided against itself will not stand. And we don't have to look too far to see that. I mean, I, I enjoy watching football and I enjoy watching hockey. And you'll never find a team that is fighting in the locker room that wins a championship. Ever. It does not happen. Now those are... I mean, when you have sports teams, you have stars, you have people paying paid enormous amounts of money and huge egos. So that's probably the first place you will find dissension and discord. But if you can get all of these guys to buy into the coach's plan, they win. Good plan, bad plan. They can beat somebody who's in discord, in disharmony. It's, it's, Jesus said it. Any kingdom divided against itself would be ruined. political parties. If they're fighting amongst themselves, they're not going to get elected. Ain't going to happen. And unity, the unity that we're after is created by the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we don't have unity. So, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but the goal of our unity is to glorify God. Plain and simple. is to make God look good. It's to point people to Jesus. That is the purpose of our unity.
1: But it was created
0: by the Holy Spirit. So in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 5, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you, live a life that is worthy of the calling. He's graciously extended to you. Be humble, be gentle, be patient. Tolerate one another in the atmosphere of thick with love. Make every effort to preserve the unity that the Spirit has already created with peace binding you together. Make every effort to preserve the unity the Spirit has created in an atmosphere thick with love. Every one of us individually needs to submit what we think and what we say to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit can change it if it's wrong, (laughs) obviously. But when we're all, all of us different, with different opinions and different views, if our goal is to love people into the kingdom, and that is our main purpose, and that is our unifying purpose, that's what the Holy Spirit wants. In Ephesians chapter 4, still in verse 11 to 15, the goal of equipping the saints with the five-fold ministry is unity. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ. The purpose of the fivefold ministry gift, the bottom line is unity. It's to, it's to teach and encourage everybody to submit themselves to the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can bring us into unity and bring us into one, into one group goal of perfect unity is that the world would know the glory of God and that Jesus was sent by God and therefore accepting the gift of Jesus and dedicating their lives to him our purpose, the whole purpose of our unity is to glorify God so that other people look at us and say I want that God I want what they have and you'd be amazed when you step into a church and everybody's unified in love, people are drawn to that People are drawn to that. Not that we care so much about numbers, but we do care about lives. We care very much about leading people to Jesus. Because I can't change your life. I can't make you any better. All I can do is introduce you to the Holy Spirit and encourage you to surrender to him so that he can make you guys better. So that he can make us better. John chapter 17, verses 21 to 23. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. The Holy Spirit wants everybody to know that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Think of that for a minute. God knows everything you've done. God knows all the mistakes you're gonna make. And he loves you as much as he loves Jesus. And when we can get that in our hearts, it will overflow. And we can love people the way God loves Jesus, the way God loves us. So the, the goal of unity is to glorify God. And, and when I, when we had a discussion about what glorifying God looks like and what it means this week. Patience wrote an incredible definition. The bottom line is we just need to make God look good. We just need to make Jesus look good because then people will see Jesus. They said, it was John that said it, You will know they are Christians because of the way they love. The way they love each other and the way they love other people. They will know that we follow Jesus by the way we love them. That's what our unity is for. So when somebody comes in the midst of us, we all love them. Not just the pastor, not just the usher at the door, but all of us. All of us. In Romans chapter 15, Now may God, the source of great endurance and comfort, grace you with unity among yourselves, which flows from your relationship with Jesus. The unity flows from your relationship with Jesus. The anointed one. And then, with a unanimous rush of passion, love, you will, with one voice, glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You will bring glory when you accept and welcome one another as partners just as the anointed one has fully accepted you and received you as a partner. So when we all come together and charity leads us, or, or, or angel, and we all worship in one accord, same voice, same words, even if you can't sing like charity, because I don't. I, can't, I can play on key, but I certainly can't sing on key. But when we worship, it, it's so much more than just worshiping God. It's being in unity. It's singing the same song at the same time. It's following the worship leaders. I remember on a Wednesday night a few weeks ago, I was just exhausted. And um, I came on Wednesday night and I I could not worship and I couldn't pray. I was just and it was, a, it was a spiritual thing, but I was just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't get there. And so I sang every word that Lisa and Megan and Charity sang, I sang that word. When, when they flowed, I said exactly what they said because I couldn't get there myself. But by the end of the night, it had lifted and the exhaustion was a spiritual thing. But they took me by the hand And they walked me out of that by praying and worshiping. And I just did what they did. I followed them. I did what they did. And that's unity. And we didn't have to pray against the spirit of exhaustion. That evil spirit just left because I was unifying myself with people on the stage. God is so amazing. we are a body. We have many parts. And you've heard this preached a ton of times. So I'm not going to go to 1 Corinthians where it talks about that. But just in verse 18, this is where God comes in. God has meticulously put together his body and placed each part in the exact place to perform the exact function he wanted. You know, we, we had a windstorm earlier this year, and you drive around after the windstorm and there are branches on the ground everywhere. And you will never find a branch that is not either dead or dying that's not connected to a tree. If it breaks away from the tree itself, it dies pastor Megan mentioned this and I think Cliff did too if a finger come, falls off the body and it doesn't get attached it dies we need each other we need the body we need the body John chapter 5 I am the vine and you are the branches if you abide in me and I in you you will bear great fruit without me you will accomplish nothing If anyone does not abide in me, he is like a branch that is tossed out, shrivels up, and is later gathered and to be tossed into the fire to burn. If you abide in me and my voice abides in you, anything you ask will come to pass. For your your abundant growth and your faithfulness, as my followers, will bring glory to the Father. We don't bring glory to God on our own. We bring glory to God when we are together. like I said, you never see a branch on the ground that's not dying or dead. All the healthy branches in the world are stuck to a tree. They are receiving nourishment from the trunk. But each one of those branches has has a job. And I don't know a lot about biology, but I know that the leaves do photosynthesis and they change the sunlight. Of energy or something that the tree needs so when the sun comes up in the east the west side of the tree doesn't have any light and so the east side of the tree doesn't work because the west side can't when the sun moves over to the west side it's the other way around but the west side can't say I don't need the east side I'm out of here, have half a tree it just doesn't work and we are the same. We have different jobs to do. We have, we have different temperaments and different personalities. And we'll get to that in a minute. But unless we're unified by the Spirit of God, we're just people sitting in chairs. Philippians 22, verse 11, I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. Did you know you can give God unbounded joy? But you can't do it by yourself. Verse 3 Be free from pride-filled opinions for they will only harm your cherished unity. Now that's quite the line. and I know we've heard it preached, you have an opinion. Everybody has one. You're just not allowed to give it. And I'm not going to go there. because I'm just saying it because half of you are thinking it. Um, we all have our own opinions. And we can talk about our opinions. And we should. We should discuss the word of God. That's what we should do when we come together. And But be very careful, like I said before, who you discuss it with. Because we are all built differently. We all see things differently. We have to be careful that our opinions are not harming our cherished unity. We have to be really careful about this. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others more importantly than yourselves. If your opinion is being given because... You want to make yourself feel better than somebody else, then just don't give it. It'll just harm the unity. Abandon every display of selfishness, possess greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And consider the example that Jesus, the Anointed One, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God, and yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. That is a really interesting line because we know that Satan did exactly that. He thought about seizing equality with God and made it his goal. And we all know what happened and what God did there. But Jesus, exactly the opposite, did the opposite of that. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a servant, he became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect disciple. I'm just going to go down a rabbit hole for a minute because I think God told me to do that. I want you to think of Jesus. He's a man. He's like 33 years old. He's a Jewish man, so he'll probably have black hair black beard, olive skin, and he's in the garden of Gethsemane the day before the crucifixion, and he's praying, and he's saying, God, if there's any other way, can we go a different route? Can we please go a different route? And God says, no, there is no other way. It has to be this way. So imagine Jesus on his knees in the garden. Praying, the Bible says, sweating drops of blood. He was in such agony. But then he looked on the other side of the cross. It says in Hebrews, for the joy set before him, he looked beyond the cross. And he saw you beyond the cross. And he said, Father, they are worth it. I'll do it. Adam is worth it. I'm going to do it. Marcel is worth it. I'm going to do it. every one of you is worth it. And so Jesus said, okay, God, then let's do it. And then he got up and he went out toward the people where he gave himself up to be be crucified. So for whoever of you, somebody out there is wondering whether God really does care or whether he doesn't, I want you to know that Jesus saw you before he died and said, you're worth it. Father, I'll do it. There, that's my rabbit hole. (laughs) Now, where was I? Psalm 133.1. When we were reading the Psalms together, I read this chapter. It's a very small one. It says, in the first couple of verses, How truly wonderful and delightful it is to see brothers and sisters living together in unity. It's as precious as the sacred scented oil flowing down from the head of the high priest Aaron, dripping down upon his beard and running all the way down the hem of his priestly robes. And I thought to myself, how can unity be as holy as somebody drenched in oil? <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm not getting it somewhere. Somewhere I'm not getting the picture. And he was drenched. If it came all down his head, down his beard, down his clothes and dripped off the robe of his garment he was absolutely drenched in that oil but David said I think it was David that wrote that song that unity is precious like that oil and so I started thinking what in the world is so different about that oil and God showed me something in Exodus chapter 30 verses 22 25 is the recipe for that oil the eternal one instructed Moses regarding the anointing oil collect the best spices twelve and a half pounds of liquid myrrh six pounds of fragrant cinnamon six pounds of fragrant cane and twelve and a half pounds of cassia in accordance with the sanctuary weights one gallon of olive oil blend all these together like a skillful perfumer to make holy anointing oil that is fragrant mixture used for the holy anointing oil. This is the recipe for the oil that flowed down Aaron's beard. Now that adds up to about 44 and a half pounds. So it's not a little vial sitting under the pulpit. It is I don't know how big. 44 and a half pounds of oil, probably would be. And then they dumped it on Aaron. So it flowed from his head. And you can understand now why it would go down his face, down his beard, down his clothes, and onto the floor. I can imagine Aaron trying to pick something up with his hands full of oil. I I, I don't know. My, My mind just goes to interesting places, but there are four spices and the olive oil. If there's only three spices and the olive oil, it's not the holy anointing oil. Has to be four of them, all four of them. So there's four spices mixed with olive oil. And I'm telling this to, my, to Joel, and I'm, th- I'm saying, you know, the four spices, I wonder, I'm going to look up the four spices and see what's special about those four spices. And Joel said to me, he said, There are only four temperaments that people are made from. Everybody in the world is a combination of four different temperaments, and he called them temperaments because personalities can change, trauma can change your personality. But the temperaments, the things that make you think the way you think, those four things are part of who God created you to be. I'm just going to go through them quickly. And and these are just quick definitions is the wrong word, descriptions of these four personalities. And there are books written about this, like whole books. So what I'm gonna give you is extremely basic. But one of them is called sanguine. These people are warm and buoyant, lively and fun-loving temperament. They are receptive by nature and, exter- and, they, and external pres- impressions. They have capacity to enjoy themselves and usually passes on a, health, a healthy, outgoing nature. Their strengths are they love life, they're compassionate, they're optimistic and they're friendly. Weaknesses are they're restless, they're undisciplined, egotistical and emotional. The second one is called melancholy, often referred to as the dark temperament. By nature, they are prone to be introverts. They are analytical, self-sacrificing, perfectionist types of people with a very sensitive emotional nature. Their strengths are that they're sensitive, they're a perfectionist, they're faithful friends, and they're self-sacrificing. Their weaknesses are that they're self-centered, suspicious, oversensitive, pessimistic, moody, and perfectionism can be a bad thing. The third one is choleric. I keep thinking that's a disease, but anyway. Um, the, these people are hot, quick, active, practical, and strong-willed. They tend to be decisive and opinionated, finding it very easy to make a decision for themselves as well as for others. And they thrive on activity and are not threatened at all by adversity. Their strengths are that they're strong-willed, they're self-disciplined, they're practical, and they're optimistic. Their weaknesses is that they're hot-tempered, they're cruel, they're bossy, and they're self-sufficient. They, you know... And the fourth one is phlegmatic... I don't know where they get these words from. It just reminds me of Flipp. But anyway, um, these people are calm, easygoing. They never seem to get ruffled. They have a high boiling point. They They seldom explode in anger or laughter, but they keep their emotions under strict control. Their strengths are that they're witty, they're dependable, they're easygoing, they're efficient, and they're calm. Their weaknesses are that they're slow, they're lazy, they're provocative, they're selfish, and they're stubborn. So, it's kind of funny kind of fun just to read through those most of us are a mixture of those four not one or the other most of us are a combination and a mixture of those four people but it's interesting that the holy oil has four spices and the oil and we have four temperaments and the Holy Spirit and holy oil isn't holy with only three of the spices and the holy oil or at olive oil. It doesn't become the holy thing that God wants until all four of those spices are there mixed with the Holy Spirit. So the oil running off the beard of Aaron, when unity is like that, unity, the holy thing that God wants, is when all four temperaments are together mixed with the Holy Spirit. Because the strengths of one temperament will cancel the weaknesses of a different temperament. And you wonder why when you come to church, there's always somebody there that you just don't like. You just kind of rub the wrong way. And you kind of wish that they wouldn't be around. God has them there on purpose. We, and we all have that because we're all built differently. And there are people we're going to click with. And there are people that we're going to go, well, they're okay. You know, but God did that on purpose. He put us together, all four of us, all four different. And then he mixed us with the Holy Spirit. And then we are, unif- we are the holy oil. We are the holy thing that God is looking for that gives God joy, is when we can learn to mix our personalities and our temperaments with the Holy Spirit and have one common goal of making Jesus look good. That's when it becomes a holy thing. That's when it becomes a holy thing. You know, um, Joan and I, and I talked to Joan, she's okay with me saying this, are so different. Uh, Joan is one of my closest friends, and I love her dearly. But you know what, If if you drop the white glove, Joan will pick it up and come at you. She will fight. It's just how God built her, right? It's not wrong. That's a good thing. We need people who will stand up and fight, sometimes for us. Whereas with me, if someone drops the white glove, I'll look at it and say, well, let's see what God does with that. And I'll just back off. (laughs) And neither of them are wrong, but they're so very different. And without the Holy Spirit, it would be pretty easy for Joan and I to get in some pretty good fights. But we never, ever do. Because we're mixed with the Holy Spirit. And I love her so very much. She is one of my closest friends. Same with Cliff and I. We are not the same at all. I've known Cliff since we were 14, no 15, 16 years old, somewhere in there. And the things we did in high school together, I'm not telling you about. But him and I are not the same. You know, he loves country music. I would, you know, I think, like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I have like over 900 CDs at home and over 300 records because I've been collecting them since I was 12. And I have maybe two that are country. You know, Marge likes country too. There's another thing, you know. But Cliff and I are the very best of friends. I, I don't know how we got along before the Holy Spirit, but we did somehow. Um, Cliff and Colleen and I are the threesome when we were teenagers and we were everywhere. And we did so much together. But the Holy Spirit takes the different personalities and makes them unified. One common goal, which is to make Jesus look good and to love people. Loving people is how we make Jesus look good. And there is no more powerful force on the earth than love. Some I got left here. Oh, I better get going. <laughs> um, and I'm not saying that God puts us all together so we can all be unified. When you have children, for you that are parents, how do you teach a child to share? You put them in a room with other kids and force them. That's the only way to teach a child how to share. And the Holy Spirit has kind of done that with us. He's put us all in this church, and he's saying, okay, now get along. <laughs> and of course, we can't do that without the Holy Spirit. We so much need the Holy Spirit. We so much do. You know, Ephesians 4, 1 to 5, we read this, but I'm just going to read chapter verse 4 to you. There's only one body and one spirit, just as you are called to pursue one hope. It is interesting it doesn't say one body, one spirit, and one soul. Your mind and your will and your thought processes and your emotions are left out of this sentence for a reason. We can have those, and we all have different ones. But we were called to pursue one hope with one body and one spirit. That's all of us together, the body, spirit being the Holy Spirit. And what we think and how we think is immaterial to that, as long as we submit ourselves and our thoughts and our attitudes to the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to address something that we haven't talked about before, and I want to talk about COVID for a minute, because COVID has split families, it has split churches, it has split cities, it has split governments, it has split so much so much God gave me I had a vision about a month ago and it was me putting a puzzle together and it was a little bit bigger than what the pulpit is and had a border like a frame and I had all these black pieces and I had to put them together and I got them all put together but there weren't enough pieces to cover the whole thing there was one straight line down the middle of it with perfectly fit pieces on both sides And I said to God, I said, what is that? And God said to me, not with the loving gentle voice that he usually talks to me with, it was quite stern and he said, that is segregation and I will not have it in my church. I will not. That's what he said. He will not have it. And So I want to submit to you that you cannot trust the vaccine to keep you healthy. You cannot trust not having a vaccine to keep you healthy. There is evidence on both sides, but it's man, man's interpretation of the evidence of a man-made experiment without knowing all the variables, both sides. The only thing we really can trust 100% for sure is the Word of God. And the Word of God says that by His stripes we are healed. So you know what? If we get angry when talking about it, we need to stop and check our hearts. We can talk about COVID without getting angry. We can have different views without getting angry at each other. Most of the time it's because when someone has a different view than ours, and I'm talking from experience here, please, believe me. It's because you have a bit of an inferiority complex about yourself and you don't think much of yourself and when they give you a different viewpoint. You feel like they're attacking you personally and you get angry and attack back. So if you get angry when someone has a different viewpoint about COVID than you do or about anything, just stop. Get up and leave if you have to. But don't respond. Because our unity is so much more important than a vaccination. Yes or no, good, bad, or ugly. Our unity is so much more important than that. So I I really believe that you need to ask God what to do as far as vaccinations go, as far as vaccinations for your children go, and you need to do what God tells you to do. I know people who God has said, get the vaccination. I know people who God has said, "Nope, not for you, don't do it. So what you need to do is find out from God what he wants you to do as far as that goes, and then do what he told you to do and trust him to keep you healthy. We can't trust a vaccine. We can't trust not having a vaccine. We need to trust God to keep us healthy and we need to protect our unity. And I don't see that very much in our church. I I haven't heard of any of those angry arguments here, but it's a warning from God to not allow it into our body. We can talk about it, but if we're gonna get angry, then we just need to stop and pull back. And again, I'm talking from experience. I talked I was talking a, a, a while ago, months ago, with somebody about it and I went and I said something and I stopped and went, how cruel is that? And I had to go back and look in my heart and find out why I even would think that. Little of them would say it. And I went and apologized like hours later because it was just wrong. And g- we just love to love each other. Our unity has to be loved. The whole purpose of our unity is so that, so that we love each other. Ephesians 4.2, in the Passion Translation, with tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another, especially towards those who try your patience. Especially towards those who try your patience. So I'm just going to end with a quote from Francis Schaeffer. Um, he said it's in the midst of a difference that we have our golden opportunity when everything is going well and we are standing around in a nice little circle there's not much to be seen by the world but when we come to the place where there's a real difference and we exhibit uncompromised principles but at the same time observable love towards the other side then there is something that the world can see something they can use to judge that these people really are christians And that Jesus, indeed, was sent by the Father. So we have an opportunity with COVID. We have an opportunity to show love. We haven't, you know, if you've ever heard or you've ever wanted to say, serves you right for not getting a vaccination, vaccination, then you need to just stop right there and back up because it is wrong. Or on the other side, if you've ever said, well, if they wouldn't have got the vaccine, they wouldn't have got sick. You, know, you need to stop right there because there is no love. There is no pe- pointing to Jesus in a statement like that anywhere. And our purpose, our unified purpose is to point people to Jesus, point people to the love of the Father. And I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> so maybe I'm just going to pray. Sean, give me a minute to pray and then you can come up. And as I pray, If the Holy Spirit spoke to you, just speak to him. Just speak to him. God is so gracious and so willing to forgive. Father, we thank you so much for your Holy Spirit that takes us all, however different we are, and it binds us together and makes us one. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you so much for dying so that we could be one, so that we could love each other, so that we could know the Father's love. Thank you so much for that. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Help us, Lord, to be unified. Unify us, Holy Spirit, the way you want to do. Mm -hmm. Father, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Sean. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.